This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including Latin 101, Learning a Classic Language. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on Weekly Standard is John McCormick. And John, I have to tell you, I'm so old. I remember when the Democratic presidential nominee was a state senator from Illinois who opposed gay marriage and supported the Re- Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Huh? Well, how times have changed. And, you know, not just... Uh, President Obama. I mean, anyone who's paid close attention to this over the last few days knows that. I mean, this law, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, it was it passed in 1993, signed into law by Bill Clinton. After it uh, passed the House on a voice vote, uh, 97 to 3, made it through the Senate. So this was, uh, you know, very uh, non-controversial back then. Uh, in recent years, obviously, it's become more controversial as Democrats haven't liked uh, that it's applied to people like, you know, might, might apply to Little Sisters of the Poor or potentially these cases could come into conflict with uh, a gay rights case. You know, theoretically, one of these days, uh, you know, a Christian wedding singer or a devout you know, Muslim florist doesn't want to uh, work a gay wedding in particular. This law could come into play. Um, we really haven't had one of those examples yet happen, though. There are, there are two cases where uh, RIFRA defenses, as the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is called RIFRA, um, they've been sought in New Mexico and in Washington State. In New Mexico, uh, the court ruled that it simply didn't apply to private lawsuits. Uh, the federal RIFRA does apply to private lawsuits, and as many others are, some legal scholars have argued that New Mexico case should have, so that wasn't a clean case. And then in, in uh, Washington State, there's this case of this 70-year-old grandmother who uh, is a florist, and uh, you know she has gay employees, she uh, has gay customers, she's been serving one of her gay customers for nine years, you know, did flower arrangements for weddings and anniversaries, not, not for weddings, but for anniversaries and birthdays. And uh, one day the customer came in and asked for uh, uh, this florist to do the flowers for uh, his wedding, same-sex wedding. And she thought about it, prayed about it, and said, in good conscience, I can't do this. I'm so sorry. Uh, here are some people I'd recommend. That got out on social media. She ended up getting uh, fined by the state of Washington, and she's now being in court being sued she could potentially lose her house, lose her business. And so when people talk about discrimination, you know, does, does Religious Freedom Restoration Act allow discrimination? I would say no, it doesn't allow, you know, blanket, we are going to refuse to serve gay people in, in jurisdictions where that is prohibited. You're not going to get that kind of exemption, nor would anybody want that kind of exemption. But, you know, are, are people going to be able to get those narrow exemptions to not participate in a wedding? I would say that it's, it's possible. We just really don't know because we haven't had a good test case yet. And, you know, when it comes to discrimination, who's really being discriminated against in this case? Is it, is it the person who, well, understandably might be offended they were turned down for a service for their wedding? Uh, or is it the seven-year-old grandmother who is completely tolerant of gay people and willing to serve them in all sorts of contexts who just says, because of my faith, I can't do this. Does she deserve to have her home taken from her and her business? lost? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I'm so glad that you've been on this for the Weekly Standard because my frustration has been how little the people talking about this fight, particularly in Indiana, understand. First of all, they don't understand 
that there was a federal law, as you pointed out. Then they don't understand that now that Indiana's in the fold, there are 31 states who either have passed RIFRA outright or whose courts have, state courts, have interpreted existing religious protections as very similar to RFRA. And I'm just curious, why is it that the media, do you think the media really is clueless? So like they think that one day the people of Indiana woke up and said, let's go out and hate us some gay people. Or do they understand the much, much bigger, much, much more reasonable story, and they simply are either not reporting it or intentionally misleading their viewers and readers? You know, I, th- I think ignorance explains a lot of it. I don't think that most uh, reporters, political reporters, have spent much time reading about, uh, you know, constitutional laws applied to the First Amendment, religious liberty cases. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I- I've talked to some really smart lawyers out there. University of Virginia's Douglas Laycock, he supports gay marriage and supports religious freedom laws, and uh, Stanford's Michael McConnell. Uh, you know, I think they're really trying to gin up a lot of outrage. This is politics where, you know, that everyone's got to go after a boogeyman, and now it's these right-wing bigots who, even though it was legal in much of Indiana, uh, you know, as of last week and in the 29 states that don't include sexual orientation in their public accommodation laws, even though it's been legal uh, forever to refuse service to people just because they're gay, that doesn't happen because, one, it's an awful thing to do, and two, you'd go out of business pretty darn quick in 2015 in America. You know, these laws have been on the books for for two decades, and the point that the defenders say uh, of, the, of these laws make is that, listen, if if these laws were going to you know, be a license to discriminate against gay people or incite such discrimination, it would have happened by now. I mean, the idea that in 2015 we're going to sort of go on this reverse course, um, and again, even if somebody wanted a blanket exemption from uh, these discrimination laws, that's not going to happen. There's no, there's no serious scholar I've talked to. Um, you know, in terms of the more intelligent criticism, you know, the, the two points that people will make is that, one, they say that uh, RIFRA shouldn't apply to for-profit companies. It's only meant to apply to individuals. Um, the response to that is pretty clear. One, uh, you know, the, the federal RIFRA says that the law applies to a person who has a religious liberty burden. The Dictionary Act defines a person as a person or a business or a corporation, LLC, um, and secondly, the Supreme Court just ruled on this issue in the Hobby Lobby case, a very contentious case. And um, uh, only two justices said that closely held corporations don't count under, under RIFRA. Two other justices didn't reach that question. So we have a majority that says this is the case. And even uh, when, when it comes to private lawsuits, I know we're a little bit in the weeds here, but uh, even the Obama Justice Department, as Josh Blackman, a law professor, has pointed out, even the Obama Justice Department says that RIFRA is applicable in private lawsuits. So really that's the only difference is that uh, the Indiana RIFRA spells that out directly and clearly, explicitly, that uh, this does apply in private lawsuits, because obviously they're, they're suing under a, a governmental law. So, um, but if you go back and you look at a lot of the scholarship, this isn't anything new. This isn't anything novel. Um, some people would dispute that, but uh, I think that the, the record is really clear. And if you go back and look at the research and some of the links I have in my latest piece to Douglas Laycock's analysis and uh, Michael McConnell at Stanford, uh, I think you'll see that's the case. Uh, but, you know, there's another argument that has nothing to do with the merits. It has to do with the politics. And you've been you know, writing about politics for a long time, too, John. Is this the analogy for the Republican Party of, you know, hard cases make bad law? In other words, this is a fight that even if the uh, defenders of RIFRA are right on every point of law, it just sends the message to voters, you know, 40 and younger. Look, here we go. The Republican Party is the party of Bible thumping, <clears throat> you know, anti-gay 
uh, grandmas and therefore run away, run away. We want, we don't want to be them. Well, I think in any time you pass a law, you have to say, is the policy gain worth the political price? But you can't really hold yourself hostage to how the media are going to represent a, misrepresent a law. I mean, if that were the case, Scott Walker never would have passed the collective bargaining reforms in Wisconsin. I mean, I kind of see a, a significant similarity between those two, where it was pandemonium and people shrieking about how he was attacking children, school children and teachers, and this is going to be horrible. It's the end of public education in Wisconsin. And a year went by and people said, hey, you know what, the sky didn't fall. Uh, public education is actually better off. And obviously you're not going to have any sort of impact like that where people are going to be, you know, appreciably, you know, the, the sort of feel You're just not going to see anything. So a year from now, you know, I can't imagine there being anything aside from the, you know, the very narrow cases. And honestly, the only reason this is politically, un will be politically unpopular is if the impression that this is allows or is going to lead to uh, you know, Jim Crow laws for gay people, which is what a lot of the media has said, the idea that hotels and restaurants are going to turn people away. And that's just not going to happen. It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen in the places where there are anti-discrimination laws that cover sexual orientation. You're not going to get that kind of exemption, even if you wanted it, which no sane business person would want. Um, so it's, it's a lot of heat. And I think that at the end of the day, you have to do what's right. And this is a real issue here. It's, it's not just uh, you know, uh, gay rights issues that's in, involved. I don't know if I already said this, but you know, uh, the right to grow a Muslim uh, Muslim prisoner found the right to grow a half inch beard that posed no threat to prison security. Uh, you know, he could grow his hair out to a half an inch, so why wouldn't they let him do that? He got that exemption. Uh, Catholic nuns, you know, at the Hobby Lobby case, Catholic nuns being, or not, or this is that's a arts and crafts row, but you know, Catholic nuns have also been forced under the uh, under the Obamacare to pay for contraception and abortion drugs that's contrary to their beliefs. You know, a state law, a state out there, Indiana, a future uh, state could impose the exact same burden on them. And what the, what the Supreme Court has said is that if you don't have a state law that has its own RIFRA, the federal law doesn't apply. So, you know, I, I do think that in, in terms of what really matters, you know, uh, you, you, you might pay a political price in the short term, but these are really important issues, and you really just can't surrender just because, you know, the media is going to lie about something. But the frustration for me is that uh, I know that the majority of Americans would actually side with the idea that it's wrong to make the grandmother uh, florist in Washington State participate in a same-sex marriage. A majority of Americans would think it was wrong to make a photographer attend a wedding and participate in a wedding that violates her beliefs and on and on. And my frustration, John, is I don't hear people making the affirmative case. They're making the arguments, you know, the, kind of the defensive arguments of uh, it's nothing new. Bill Clinton did it. Obama, you know, uh, voted for it as opposed to saying, look, look how uh, the you know, activists in the extreme edge of the LGBT community want to go to war with the faithful. They do want to make it harder for you to practice your faith. They have no respect for your faith at all. And we are here to affirmatively do something positive. Am I, am I just missing the good conversations that you get to be a part of at the Weekly Standard? No, I think you're completely right. You know, I noticed that with Mike Pence yesterday and that it, he couldn't answer that question. The reason he couldn't answer the question is, will a uh, Christian florist in Indiana be able to not serve a same-sex couple's wedding? 
He couldn't answer that question because we don't know. The, the, the law leaves it up to the courts to ultimately decide that. It depends on the facts and circumstances. Um, there's reason to believe maybe it won't, maybe it will. So again, this is the, it's a law that touches on a lot of things other than gay rights. But I do think you're right that people have, you know, I, if I were Prince, what I would have, what I would have told them to say is, you know, we don't know because that case is ultimately going to end up in the courts. I do think that a couple in this situation would have a good case because, you know, take the example of the woman in Washington State who serves gay customers, who has gay employees, who is willing to p- treat them with utter kindness and respect, and just has a personal religious belief that she can't participate in this. And then I would take it a step further and say, what if she weren't a florist? What if she were a wedding singer? I mean, there are people out there who sing at weddings and get paid. Can you imagine a devout Christian or Muslim or Jewish person who uh, thinks uh, same-sex marriage is is wrong and against the religion that they would be fined and punished by the government, lose their business uh, because they didn't want to sing religious songs at a same-sex uh, wedding. You know, I think that's the question to really get to. It's sort of a question of whether or not someone's art is involved. I think we sort of make a distinguish we distinguish between someone simply providing goods like selling you know selling someone chairs for your reception or something versus someone who's kind of has an artistic. Um, well, John, I actually was a wedding singer back in the day, <laughs> and uh, the time I, don't I had have to, to worry about that because I can't sing. That's so. a, well, the time I had to learn the song "It's Raining Men" was rather unusual. <laughs> but hey, you got to do what you got to do to pay the bills. We appreciate you joining us uh, here for the Weekly Standard to do exactly that. Appreciate your time. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.